Welcome to My Brother and Me, where you can sit around, get comfortable, and talk to your brother. It's all good. We're not going to judge you. Mr. TNF, Coach, and all our guests, we want to continue to open up dialogue and talk about sports, family, religion, and just get people to open up. We hope you enjoy. We are here uh, recording in a different location today. Very different. As, as y'all super duper can, different. As y'all can probably tell, uh, local restaurant here. Yeah, we're celebrating Kentucky State University's homecoming. Costa Fiesta. So, uh, there ain't no paid sponsor, though, so. Uh. <laughs> but if, you, if you're in Frankfurt, Craving some Mexican food. Go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Stop by. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a little while. Yeah, that's what happened when you got two busy people. Try to get everybody's schedule together. <laughs> They're meeting deadlines. When you got people that you're on their platform talking something. When y'all gonna come out with something now? So we're here. But today we're going to talk about the plight of the historically black colleges and universities. Lately, that's been a very hot topic. And um, like I said earlier, in the um, observance of Kentucky State University's homecoming, and this is one, this is the type of year, but it's the time of year where, you know, HBCU's homecoming is not a homecoming, it's a festivity, it's a family reunion. So, Today, I just wanted to say that historically black colleges are very needed and necessary. Myself and Marcus are both product of the historically black college, and they are needed. But one concern that we both have is the leadership of historically black colleges and universities. Um, sometimes we have good intentions, but our leadership is not leading us, meaning the university or college in the direction that it should be led in. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it is a, uh, if anybody knows about, you know, education in the education field, you know that uh, a lot of times it's, it's not necessarily a, uh, it needs to be run like a business, but run, especially a state university, needs to be ran like a business, but also at the same time, you, you have to understand that you're not, you're not trying to profit, right? It's techni- they're technically a state-ran uh, institution, so uh, they're not in the game of making a profit, but a lot of times we bring a lot of people in who don't understand that, that concept, and, you know, they don't. They don't understand the priorities uh, of of an institution like that. Um, well, I think sometimes the board of trustees, the board of regents, they don't look at the totality of what a candidate can bring to the college or university. Uh, the, the, to me, a prime candidate for leadership. 
of a instructor at a college, first and foremost, is a business person. Whether it be a man or a woman, they, first of all, they need to be a business person. They need to understand business. They need to understand having not just one source of financial streaming. They need to understand we need to venture out. We can't just depend on state funds and, and student loans and things of that nature because one of the plights of the historical black college is that a lot of students are first generation college students so they don't have that old money like some of the universities and colleges do to, to, to trickle down meaning that you know fifth whose grandfather great grandfather father and great great grandfather and great great grandfather helped found the university so they have old money within that that frame so and their endowment is billions of dollars where a lot of historically black colleges and universities endowments are to thousands to low millions so i just feel that you know whoever's in leadership of a historically black college need to understand that first and, first and foremost they need to be a business person they need to have some academic acumen of where the college is and where the college needs to go. And they also need to understand who they're working with. Um, you know, some people become president of an institution and they want to fire everyone and bring in their people because they feel comfortable. But what they don't all understand is that you're breaking up the continuity of what that university and college already has, which can be a detriment to the, the, the mission statement of the college. So I think when we look at our HBCUs and what they offer, which is a great education because I'm a proud historically black college grad, but there's not too many historically black colleges who have not faced either extinction, um, severe financial losses, or have closed. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's a um I think it goes back to like you said, like back to the basics, to the foundation of things, right? And and business is number one. Number two is know who your client is, right? It's a historically black college. That's your client. That's your that's who you you cater to. So cater to them. Um, just because just because you're um, you know constantly bringing students in does not mean you know, just because enrollment goes up does not mean that that's your success. Your success is a graduation rate. So you can bring in thousands of students. That don't mean nothing. It may it, it'll look good on the front end. But are you retaining? But are you retaining those students? And uh, because re- retention is where the dollars come from, right? Uh, retention, career progression. Um, you know cater to those students in a way that not not so much what I mean by cater to is I mean um, when I first came into historical black college as a first generation college grad you know college attendant um, I seen students professional students right I seen my uh, students that were senior to me who were professionals um, working in the university and in and around the university in the community um, and that was drove me to you know be better yeah and it's just <clears throat> when I say ca- catering to that student I mean setting up a professional um, par- parameters so 
if you know that the students that you have coming in are not equipped, you know, their ACT scores, SAT scores are really low, their GPA is low, yes, HBCU is that place where we're giving people who might not have had a chance somewhere else a chance, but at the same time, create room for success for those students, right? And sometimes that's uh, working with a, with a uh, community college or working with you know other institutions that funnel to you um, to help that student go into the, the field that they want to go to. There's hundreds of students that are going to community college right now that want to be in a nursing program, which Kentucky State University has a great nursing program. So that's where you funnel from. Instead of going straight from the high school where you're seeing a lot of students who are struggling uh, and grabbing them up, uh, encourage them to, you know, start off at a at a uh, a junior college or you know some other institution before they come to you, uh, because you still want to keep the quality of your program. Having a lot more students does not mean quality in your program. That just means more students that the professors have have to try to uh, tailor to and they're not ready or equipped to operate at at that level college is not high school college is a place where you go to broaden your horizons absorb absorb copious amounts of information and grow yourself you have to be hungry when you're in college if you're not hungry for knowledge then you probably shouldn't be there. And it, 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 you have to hit a point in your life where, where that hunger has to come. And sometimes when a lot of high school students are not there yet, um, and it may not happen until later on in their life. And we live in a, in a world now where people are going back to college at you know, 30, 35, 40. Um, so grabbing those students, those, uh, those seniors. Those non-traditional. Yeah, non-traditional senior students will help with enrollment and all those other things. So uh, I think that's a, a something that, that's a market that the university, uh, HBCUs are not tack, tackling as well uh, as most universities out there. Well, I think for me, going to an HBCU as a student is an arduous task within itself. But when you couple that with the fact that a lot of, a lot of administrations and a lot of departments that are the infrastructure of the university or college is not well managed, then we have issues such as financial aid. I don't know any student who has went to an HBCU that has never had an issue with financial aid. Yes, please. Yeah. Meaning, meaning that financial aid is the backbone of your university. And if you can't get your financial aid together, oh, we just want to apologize. Um, we, we, we just got some food. So we had to take a little pause. You know, Marcus, you know, he had to, you know, get his little tacos together. But I just feel that, you know, my, my main issue is... Yeah, thank you the fact that the administration, the infrastructure, the leadership, I really have a, um, I feel that in the hiring process of leadership for HBCUs that the powers that be are very opaque in how 
they make the decisions on who they decide to lead colleges and universities. Um, lately, within the you know the media, within the newspapers, several HBCUs presidents either have been um, terminated or asked to resign because of malfeasance within the university, and that's a um, problem that we have across the board. So, I feel that HBCUs are needed. They're they're important. They have a need in our community, but in the same token, we have to understand, we have to hold them accountable, and they have to do a better job in leading our young people. Yeah, accountability is one major component of that, right? Is that somebody coming in to lead, um, and what accountability measures are in place to make sure that this person isn't lead the university off the rails um, because there shouldn't be a high turnaround for a president at a university which doesn't make sense to me that there's high turnaround of the board asking someone to resign or there being some type of um, uh, you know uh, adverse action happening because it's something that the president has done, done or said or uh, in the public life. So, uh, something that I, I was always told, you know, that in a leadership role, you're supposed to be a, a servant, right? So, his uh, a job of his or her job as a president of a university is to serve the university and the university's needs. Um, not their own, uh, not to get help other people get ahead, like their buddies and their friends. Does that happen? Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, anybody in power is going to want to assist and help their friends, right? But do it with the interest of the university in mind, right? You're, you're networking, you're, you're experiencing, you're, you're, and your, uh, uh, your influence should enhance the university but when you're networking your influence and and your relationships hinder the university because you're just putting anybody in place and they don't have the the strength or the skills to operate in the positions you put them in that's detrimental and why would you even want to do that right as a president you want to continue your term you want to be successful you want the people around you to be successful and so it's your job to, to find those resources to to aid in that success put the grant writers in in place put the uh give the researchers the the freedom to uh and autonomy to do their job uh give the professors uh, guidelines and, and your your true intent for the university and in their department. Um, you know, I, I don't really care if you walk on a golf course or if you kiss babies, and I, I don't really care about that as a student. You know, what I care about is am I getting the bang for my buck, right? If I, if I'm paying this much for my for my education. Am I getting a quality education? Uh, am I getting the assistance and, and the resources I need in the classroom to become the scientist, the lawyer, the doctor, the, the nurse practitioner, um, the artist, the musician that I want to be? 
Am I getting the, the access to those resources? If I'm not, then it's not my fault that I'm not getting access to those things. It's the university's fault. And in turn, the president's fault. Um, because they are supposed to be leaning on their departments and saying, what do you need to be successful? Okay, that's what you need. How do we get it? You know, um, it's not the president's job to do it. It's, just, it's the president's job to lean on those department and those department heads to force them in that direction to, to get it. Um, to, and if they're not, if, if those department heads and the people in those research departments aren't doing their job, they aren't going out there to find those resources, they aren't going out there writing grants, they aren't doing those things to enhance the university, then that's when you reevaluate whether they should be there or not. But I, I, I think I think the main thing that um, a lot of times presidents really don't um, focus on is having a strong infrastructure, meaning that you have a strong provost who is going to make sure the academic programs within the university and colleges are being um, taught and the curriculum is up to standard to prepare the young people for the future for their goals in life. Um, if your provost is not a strong academic person or a strong person of leadership or someone that can galvanize the academic community, then you know your 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 curriculums, your departments, your educational Equity would not be as strong as it should be. Um, a lot of times, provosts will acquiesce to whatever the president wants, and a lot of times that's not a good thing because, as as the provost, you have to fight for these students to get the curriculum, the instructors that can not only teach but effectively communicate what needs to be communicated for these students to. Um, be successful and succeed. A lot and a lot of things comes into play in that. And one major component of that is that a lot of historically black colleges have to deal with remediation. Um, remediation is a big component within the HBCU community because so many of these first generation young people come from challenging academic backgrounds, meaning that they might have come from a school that really didn't focus on some of their um, shortcomings academically. So the provost has to be a strong, aggressive, and what I mean by aggressive, a strong academic aggression to move the curriculums of each department forward and, and hold advisors and these department heads accountable for what's not going on properly within their their departments. Yeah, and I mean, we, we can beat that on the head. It's all about accountability, right? And so, without that, it, it's it, that's the problem, right? There has to be systems in place from top to bottom, um, constantly evaluating uh, and gathering data in order to... Uh, to ensure success, um, you have to start off with a true direction. Pick a goal and, and, and set after it um, and evaluate yourself as you, as you try to attain that goal. 
it's like it's it's really no different than anything else. Like I said, it's, it's ran. It should be ran like a business. <clears throat> Um, you know, a lot of people put the blame on, on alumni and funding when really I, I, I truly don't believe it's, it's the lack of funding from alumni. There's, there's hundreds and millions of dollars out there uh, that we're just not going to get because we refuse to, you know, egos get in, in the way and all, a whole bunch of other things get in the way. You know, politics get in the way and um, pettiness gets in the way of, you know, uh, finding those dollars. Because there's dollars being left on the table in education every day. Uh, you know, partnerships uh, dwindled because of ego, right? Um, so th- those type of things will will suffocate a university. Uh, and... You know, we talk about losing, losing funding and losing uh, a credibility. I mean, if you don't have the right partnerships, absolutely, you'll lose funding and you lose the credibility. Uh, and that's really all you have, especially as a state university, a state-ran historically black college. That's really all you have is your credibility. So, um, you know, those are concerning points. And I, I think that we'll continue to, you know, touch in and out on the historically black college issue uh, <clears throat> uh, or the topic and as we move forward. But uh, one thing I want to say before we close that these students need to understand they have more power than what they think when it comes to their education. Sometimes as adults, we try to, to diminish young people's ability to make change or we try to diminish the thought of them having the power to make change um we need to understand that in order to to, um you know distinguish between a successful hbcu to a non-successful hbcu is not only you know teaching young people but nurturing them in their totality and um if you look at the history of historical black college and university that was that's their main reason for being created that was the main reason for establishing themselves to educate our people um but we have to extinguish a lot of debt a lot of hbcus have debt that is holding them back from full from their full potential but um I think this is a good topic. Um, we have this beautiful background music and in an environment where it's really um, laid back. But our next show, um, we're going to kind of touch, you know, stay in the same vein as HBCUs. But I want to talk about activism within our community, the different generational styles of what activism is and what we saw as activism. Because me being my age, I saw activism differently than someone who are who's in their twenties or who's a millennium. They see activism very differently. But that'll be time um, for us to talk on our next show. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Prayers go out to everyone as we continue to fight COVID and a whole bunch of other things. 
stay safe, keep your mask on. I don't care whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, just, you know, think about one another as you go out here and interact with one another and keep everyone in your prayers. Peace to the gods.